I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. This is Dave Kittle. I'm the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy here in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently acquiring physical therapy practices. I have nothing to sell you. We are trying to put out free, valuable content for therapy practice owners and healthcare business owners just like you. And today we have a guest on the podcast, on the show, Mel Lieber. He's the founder of Finance Premiums. You can check them out online at financedpremiums.com. He works in financial planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. In the pre-interview, we're covering some things that might be interesting to you if you're a practice owner, either before selling your practice or if you're in the process of it, or even if you've sold your practice in the past, but specifically if you're looking to do that in the future. Uh, we're going to cover things such as uh, ways to legally and compliantly uh, use leverage to multiply your retirement income. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of different retirement options, 401k, Roth IRAs, and also there is potentially something better or way better as Mel is going to help uh, help cover as an option for you guys. Many business owners may not have a full idea or may, may not have a clue about their situation in regards to retirement, what's going to re replace their income. We have all that and more. Before we get into it, Mel Lieber, welcome on the show. Thanks a lot for your time and uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay, Dave, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's uh, great meeting you. It's great being here, and it's great talking to all of you who are listening. Okay, so my name is Mel Liebert, and I am a finance guy, you know, one of those nerds who eats numbers for breakfast. <laughs> I am, you know, from a young age, uh, my family is just super, super finance-oriented, and we're just, you know, I have my oldest brother has a hedge fund, my other brother's a day trader, my sister's a financial planner, my father was in finance for 60 years, I grew up around the dining room table. We were kind of boring geeks who were talking about numbers and finance all day. And that's how I, you know, it's in my blood. And it's something that I've been doing for many years now. I focus in unique ways to use your money, leverage your money, grow your money in ways that are a little bit different than the classic. You know, everybody's busy doing the same thing. And I try to be a little unique, a little different and uh, try to find some unique products to grow your money in a greater way. So the Is one thing, <laughs> yeah, that's great. So the one thing when everyone thinks about retirement, most people think about a 401k or a Roth IRA, for example. And that's maybe the, uh, maybe one of the most, those two are the most common vehicles. Tell us a little bit about your experience with those. And then also other ideas, other solutions that you're currently using that might, that might be more beneficial than the standard. Yeah. So... I like to joke around and say that I like to make the Roth IRA and the 401k kind of look like watching TV in black and white. You know, those are, they're nice ways. They're cute, but there's definitely the tax advantages there. I like actually the tax advantage of the Roth IRA above the 401k and traditional IRA. 
because I think later on in life, taxes are going to be higher. So pushing the bucket down the road, depending on the situation, doesn't necessarily help you. But all these types of saving methods called the 401k, the Roth IRA, et cetera, they are loaded with restrictions. Like one of the restrictions are you have to, you can't take out money before you're 59 and a half. The other restriction is you can't leave the money in there. You have to take it out. By the time that you're 70, you have to start taking it out. And one of the very, very important restrictions is all these 401ks, IRAs, they're governed by something called ERISA, which is our set of laws that say one of the main things is you can't use leverage. Now, leverage, which is borrowing using other people's money, which is the sweet sauce and the trick of all the wealthy to use other people's money, ERISA does not let you do it. It's designed to protect you because it's designed against people that are, are going to use in 401ks, their money is going to be managed in ways that are too risky for you. But if you're able to use and harness leverage in a way that's safe and reliable, it will grow your money so much more. So I just love using ways that are unique and that aren't so restrictive. So some practice owners out there, they might not know what leverage is or in terms of how it would be factored into their retirement plan. I know for when we think of like a financial institution like Bear Stearns, like if they were like over levered, if they were using too much leverage and they got too tight or it was uh, the housing crisis with too many individuals being qualified for mortgages and those individuals mm-hmm. were basically over levered because they didn't have a, a sustainable income or there was a change in the interest rates. There's a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. but Give us more information about using leverage. What would be a way that protects that owner's downside? Because if you think of leverage, then that means, okay, it could be high risk, but then, or it could be high reward, but wouldn't there be high risk? So how does leverage factor into these types of retirement options? Okay, that's a great question, Dave, because you're right. Sometimes leverage could be very risky. There are funds out there that you could get your return, triple the return of the S&P because it has triple leverage. The problem with those is the first year that the S&P goes down 33%, you lose all your money. (laughs) So leverage has potential of being very dangerous. And as Dave was referring to in the 2008 housing crisis, there are people on high leverage that went underwater. And we all know the horror stories of people who have margin loans, that you get a call, a margin call, and you lose your money that you're invested. And that is 100% true. And if you're not a very, very sophisticated investor, stay away from those types of leverage. The type of leverage that I'm referring to is putting it into, once again, this isn't for everybody, but for most of you probably out there, putting it into investment that I'm referring to is called the IUL, which is a financial product that What it does is it tracks an index or a market and your growth is based on that index. But here's the beauty. It has a floor of zero, a downside of zero. So when the market or index that you're tracking goes negative, you don't lose any money outside of whatever basic fees. So therefore, since it has this built-in contractual guarantee that you're not going to lose money on any given year, therefore, you don't really have the risk of going under. So it's kind of like, The gains of leverage, the beauty of leverage, the advantages of leverage without the associated risk. But guys, to be honest, 
you are giving up some of the upside. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to tell you, you get that protection for free. Right. It's a safe product. You're giving up some of the upside, but you get protected on the downside. But after you factor in the leverage, you're going to make a higher return than you could have ever possibly made with your own money. So therefore, you're going to end up way, way ahead of the game because you're going to have for every dollar that you invest, we're going to have something like $3 put in from a lender, from a bank, very similar to when you buy your house with a mortgage. You put down 25% or so, the bank puts in 75%. Same idea. When you buy a mortgage, the house is the collateral for the loan. Over here, the investment's the collateral for the loan. And the beauty, once again, is it doesn't go down in value in any given year. So it's you get the gains of leverage without the risk associated with the loss. So if we're speaking with practice owners that are going to sell their practice, and let's say they're going to make a million dollars, $5 million, let's just say, somewhere in that range. When you say that they're basically there's a controlled, is it like a controlled rate of return where they minimize their downside. They obviously, if you minimize the downside, it has to be some, you know, upside is capped. Obviously, it just you can't have one without the other. Because in the pre-interview, we we're talking about many business owners don't really know where they're at in terms of their current choices in terms of their retirement. So give me a little bit more details about practice owners, who this would maybe be right for. And also, do they need to put X amount down? So maybe is it 10 or 20% down as part of the, this basically like a mortgage for retirement. Like it's a loan. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's like, a, it's a debt instrument, right? For retirement. Mm-hmm. So are, do they have to put down. That word debt is scary for those that not, don't understand it. <laughs> but, but so would you, a mortgage, it's like a mortgage, but for your retirement. Yeah. It's like your mortgage. You know, I sometimes ask people, you know, how much money did you have in your pocket when you were looking for a house? You know, look, say, you know, I had uh, $150,000. How much was the house? That's, you know, I bought a $600,000 house. Like, so why, why did you buy a $600,000 house? You should have bought a $150,000 house. I don't want to live in a house that costs $150,000. I want a $600,000 house. So you use leverage to get where you want to go. It's really the same idea in retirement. You're just using leverage to get to where you need to go. That's how it's working. Now, in terms of very often what happens is people, a lot of business owners don't really know whether they have enough money for retirement, whether they don't have enough money for retirement. And a lot of them are good at making money, but they weren't so good at figuring out what to do with that money once they have it. And especially those that sell their practice and now have a big lump sum of money, they don't often don't know what to do with it. Usually what I would do with the client is I would separate this money into two basic pools. There's the long-term money and there's the short-term money. When you have long-term money, it's easier to have a higher rate of return on long-term money. On short-term money that you know you're going to need to access in the short-term, it's harder to have a high rate of return. But you're going to figure out how much money you're going to need in the next 15 years or so, and we're going to plan something. It depends on the age, et cetera, of the client and how much risk they're willing to take. There's nothing wrong with risk as long as somebody's willing to take it. And if they're not willing to take risk, then we won't set them up with risk. But you know, most clients don't even know themselves how much risk they're really willing to take. And that's a good conversation that I love having with people to really find out what risk level they are prepared. 
And that's for the short-term money. The, the money that's in the long-term bucket, so that we're going to set up in a long-term investment, something like this leveraged IUL that we just discussed. It's one of my favorite options, not for everybody. You know, somebody has to be the right fit. We have other options for other options for other people. But this will put money in that bucket and we'll be able to figure out on the if the economy is going to be great, what is your expected rate of return? If the economy is going to be average, what is your going to be your expected rate of return? And if the economy will be kind of slow, what will be your annual return? And once you reach 65, you're going to get that stream of cash. And by the way, it doesn't have to be 65. It's all up to you. You could decide to retire at 55. You could decide to retire at 75. And it's good if you tell me this up front, and then we could build that into the plan. But once again, it's your money. So even if you decided you thought you were going to work to 75 and you change your mind and you decide you're going to retire at 65, that's okay as well. And even if you wanted to retire at 57, you could do that as well. It's your money. Use it as you want. But we'll set up a plan for you to have the greatest, greatest growth. Because there's a lot of things that people don't realize, you know, especially if you're not so financially savvy. And the way that you invest your money makes a tremendous difference, especially when we have many years in front of us on the table. So, you know, we're going to want to set yourself up to a high growth rate. And that's going to make all the difference for you, for your wife, for your husband, for your children. and will make a different life for you later on in life. So when you're talking about using other people's money, which if someone takes out the example you gave, if someone takes out a, a mortgage, they have 150 grand down, they buy a house for 600 grand, they use a mortgage to buy that house. They're using other people's money for that, right? 100%. And so if someone is typically using a 401k or a Roth IRA in traditional retirement options, most of that is their own money. And then it kind of compounds at whatever rate every year. So meaning- It's only their money. It's only their money in those investment vehicles. And the reason why the IUL is different is because you're putting some money into it, but there's also some leverage, which is basically, again, like a mortgage for retirement. So we all know that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you mentioned when we first spoke about, you know, venture capital companies, uh, companies raising venture capital money or any type of investment, they also use other people's money from investors to spur growth and do marketing and build out the product and all that. So these investment vehicles, like specifically the IUL, you're saying that there could be some of your own money in it, as well as some leverage with capping the downside, capping the upside, and having basically a retirement that's more bountiful, like paying you more and and grows at a higher rate or grows larger over time than a 401k or a Roth IRA. Yeah. And in fact, just uh, one thing I would just point out, you could get a IUL without leverage. In fact, 97% of IULs out there on the market are done similar to a 401k or IRA where people are just putting in their money. For some reason, in I mean, I'll explain. <laughs> I know the reason. But in most people's heads, when they invest in real estate, it's always mortgage leverage. And when people have invested in this IUL type concept, they've done pure cash without that leverage element. What the program that I am referring to, or the, I would say the strategy investing that I'm referring to is using leverage for these IUL products. And the real truth is 
that these are more fitting to use leverage than even real estate. Because as we know, the reason why real estate is very good to use leverage in a real estate investment is because the banks give you money very cheap. You know, a couple months ago, you were able to get half a year ago, you get money for 3%. Now already it's getting closer to five when you invest in real estate. The reason why the banks are going to give you money so cheap is because usually it's, you know, real estate's expensive. So usually it's a pretty large loan. And secondly, is real estate goes up 95% of the time. That's pretty good odds. So since real estate's going to go up 95% of the time, the bank feels very secure using that real estate as the leverage for the loan, as the collateral for the loan. But the bank knows that while, it always appreciates. They know real estate it, appreciates. Yeah. But once in a while, the bank gets one of those ugly Florida 2008 type situations where real estate tanks, which is rare, but it happens. And then the bank goes underwater, the owner goes underwater, everybody goes underwater, and pretty much nobody's happy by the time it's over. Now, that's an ugly story, but it's rare. When using this product in, with leverage, it's actually contractually guaranteed, as long as you, know, you make your payments, it's contractually guaranteed that it's not going to go down in value. Outside of fees, it doesn't go down. So therefore, you're never going to have a 2008. It just can't happen. And therefore, it's going to go up 100% of the time. As long as the payments are made, it's going up 100% of the time. So therefore, the banks feel super secured and they're even going to get you money cheaper. You know, I just had a loan go out with a client for 3.5%. We're talking in real estate, nobody could touch 3.5% right now. The banks will never do it for real estate. But with this content, the banks will do it. So that's very, very powerful. And once again, this product, I don't know if I mentioned it before, grows on average anywhere between 5 and 8% over any 15-year period. It will always grow between 5 and 8% historically. Once again, in the future, I don't have a crystal ball. But when I'm going to the horse track, I'm betting on the horse that's won the last 50 times. <laughs> right. So, that makes sense. So it, it's always won. And obviously, we're not... We're here to give free, helpful content. We're not uh, giving financial advice. If you guys need to contact your own financial planner or you can reach out to Mel, check them out again at financepremiums.com. You can check out Mel Lieber on Google. We're reconnected on LinkedIn. When we were talking, you touched on it earlier where many practice owners, let's say they're going to sell their practice for $2 million and they, let's say the individual is 58 years old, let's just say random number, random age. They are maybe going to stick around for six to 12 months, help the transition from where their practice or whatever, multiple locations. And then they're going to transition to either retirement or the next chapter of their life. And let's say moving forward, they want to make approximately 200 grand a year in terms of their, their retirement. Is that even possible through an IUL? And how could you even uh, walk an owner through the possibility of replacing their income especially several years out from the transaction where your type of vehicle or any investment or retirement vehicle is also part of replacing their income, right? On a monthly or yearly basis. So is that one thing that you help practice owners, help business owners with? That is definitely what I help them with. But I want to be honest, I'll get you the best return, but I'm not a miracle worker. Yeah, you can't so, guarantee a number. Uh, or anything like that. No, no, I'm just saying like, I think the previous example was a 58-year-old who sold his business for 2 million, we said? 2 million, so yeah. It was 2 million pre-tax, post-tax. You're not going to be able to get $200,000 of uh, annual income 
from that money at the 58-year-old. If he's a 48-year-old, that's something we could do. But if he's a, a 58-year-old and that close to retirement, we're not going to be able to hit those type of numbers like $200,000 a year. I wish I could tell you that. <laughs> I wish I could promise you that we would be able to do that. But that's, unfortunately, it's overshooting it. I don't want to, uh, you know, give off. Uh, but we'll get you the best numbers that you could. So we, we will get you that $100,000 a year for that type of for that type of person who should be able to get his $100,000 a year without any problem, you know, paying out indefinitely as long as he lives. But uh, 200 is a, is going to be a would be a challenge. But yes, that's the idea. The idea is a lot of people just want that to know that they're going to have a set amount coming in that they could rely upon. And that's very important. It's very important. It changes people's lives when they feel secure and they know that that money's there for them. And I, that's one of the things that I love in doing what I do. I love being able to create that feeling of peace of mind for people that we set up a plan. We set up the best possible plan for them. And now they're going to be in a much better place because a lot of people, that's what it's about. A lot of people, you know, I worked so many years and I have this income and I built up this business and, you know, it's time to step away and I'm too tired to continue this. But, you know, we're there to try to set something up in the best possible way. And I would actually often tell, I've had this conversation with many business owners before thinking about a sale. They've asked me, you know, if I sell for X amount of dollars, how much could I expect to have as a residual income? And after having that conversation, I've had certain uh, business owners say, oh, great, I'm putting my business for sale tomorrow. And I've had some other people say, oh, that's it? Oh, um, okay, I'm not ready to sell. I'm going to work for another five years. It's not the right time. It's not enough money. It doesn't work, which once again, but certain times, some people... There's a lot of dynamics, a lot of different factors. You could have scenarios, as I'm sure Dave will will agree with me. You could have somebody who's earning $200,000 a year, two businesses. One, he's earning $200,000. Business A is earning $200,000, and the business is valued at $500,000. And you could have business B, that the guy is earning $200,000 a year, and the business is valued at $2 million. Would you agree with that, Dave? Agreed. Yep. It's possible. So... If that is the case, um, once again, I am not specific in the physical therapy market. I don't know valuations of physical therapy practices, so I can't, I'm not going to claim that that's my profession. Don't ask me if it's a good price. That's not something that I personally do, but I advise you to speak to somebody who is good at that. Maybe that's Dave. And if the practice is going to be sold for, if the guy's earning $200,000 and the practice can be sold for $2 million and he has some savings anyways, it's very often going to be worth it for him to just sell the practice. Even if he might want to continue working, but without the headache, I'll work as a physical therapist and I'll make my $100,000 a year without the headache of owning the business. He might want to do that and I'll end up way ahead of the game. Versus the guy who is, if it's worth 500000 and he's going to go from 200000 income to 100000 income, then it probably is less likely worth it. But these are all things that I'm, I love sitting down with people and cracking the numbers. Because some people, I've had people who are so happy when they found out that they could sell their business and just work a regular nine to five without the headache. Or I, you know, I'm not ready to retire for another seven years, but I could work for the other seven years without the headache and now let my money work for me in a way that's much more efficient for setting me up for the long term. 
that's always something that's worth thinking about for a business owner. That's funny that you mentioned we do have a few practice owners that we're speaking with who are interested in selling, continuing to treat and kind of work in the business, but they don't want to do the hiring, the firing, the admin, the billing, so, you know, a lot of the operation side of things. So with that extra time, they could focus on speaking with you, working with you, working with others around their retirement so that they actually have hours in their day or hours in their week to actually be focusing on this, not to be doing all the backend stuff in the business, in the practice, so they can be focusing on that longer-term vision. They could actually continue in many instances, whether we acquire them or someone else acquires them, typically the, the buyer would be okay with that and say, hey, yeah, if you want to continue to treat and help, you could continue to treat for the next two to five years, you know, whatever makes sense for both sides. And then that owner would then have more time, more mental bandwidth to be focusing on the long term and their options and you know contributions and learning about this whole process if they haven't already done so, and then kind of offloading the admin and the operation side to whoever is the buyer. Mm -hmm. And Dave, I think you would have agreed. Sometimes, if it's a health, a very healthy business where the employees really respect this owner, and he knows how to run the show, it's just too much for him. It probably, I imagine it could increase the value of the business. If you're going to say, I'm going to stay aboard for the next two to five years to make a smooth transition. And everybody's, you know, I know I'm there to help you. And I know how everything works. And especially if his face is the face of the business, I imagine that could be helpful. It would definitely be helpful. It would certainly de-risk the situation for us. And if it can be de-risked, then we would potentially pay more for that. We do want practices and, and businesses that the owner doesn't necessarily have to be treating and, and actually be working in the business because sometimes it can be more valuable if it's not wrapped around the owner, but the owner has already set up a lot of systems and processes and staff members to kind of cover every type of you know, operation issue or challenge or anything along the whole patient experience. So it definitely depends. But I, I was getting at more of that owner has, if they sell and they have a buyer kind of take over a lot of the things that they don't want to do, then mm -hmm. they should have more time to be working on the long-term vision, which is the retirement and their options. And then that way that they would actually have more capability to kind of process and, and speak with you and other professionals to say like, hey, what makes the most sense for me? Let me learn about IRAs. Let me learn about 401ks. Let me learn about IUL. Uh, let me speak to Mel and see what's more information on the IUL and how much leverage would I be comfortable with, right? Because you said it, mm -hmm. they can use leverage, but they don't have to. Mm -hmm, 100%. And then mm -hmm. again, it goes back to their goals, right? It goes back to their is it risk tolerance as well? Or it goes back to their their goals of what they kind of need and what they're looking to achieve in the future? Mm -hmm, 100%. I'll tell you, because the importance is, is mind-boggling, especially with the inflation that's around in today's day. Putting some people, you know, they spend so many years building these businesses and they're going to be selling them and they're going to get that big lump sum, which is pretty much, that's a cash amount for all their work they put in for so many years. And people are scared. They don't want something to go wrong with it. So they put it into a bank. With that, there's a lot of people, especially if you're not a finance person, doesn't realize you know the money in that bank will just go 10% down per year in our current environment, normally 3% or so per year, just devaluing, devaluing, devaluing. And that's something that 
it's a, it's a little heartbreaking to see that the, you know all the savers and all the people with the money in their bank accounts, especially when we're talking about people that sold the practice, that they put years of blood and sweat into that into that business, and then you just think the money's going to last for so long, and then you put some taxes and some inflation, and you turn around and the money will disappear very very quickly. So that is something that be able to speak to people and be able to help, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, make your money work for you. Your money should be working for you while you sleep, while you're playing golf, while you're swimming. Make your money work. I don't care whether you come to me or you come to somebody else, but that's just the message that I have to give everybody. Do not put your money into the bank and sit there. Do not put your money into treasury bonds and let it sit there and do nothing. I agree. Don't take risks that you're not comfortable with, but there's safe investments that are going to grow out four or five, six, seven percent. And that is so, so important for people because if you don't do that, you're going to see all your hard earned work, money, blood, sweat that you put in and you're going to turn around and you're 75. You know, I had just had a call from somebody. Unfortunately, it was too late. I mean, there's 70. 75, she's 75, he's 77. And they had a good business. Yeah, no, no, I mean, they weren't business owners. He was a, he was an executive. He was whatever. He made a good, he made it. He's making $200,000 a year, the guy, in the later years of his working years, maybe his earlier years, I don't know, 100, 120 over the years. And, you know, he put his money away, $5,000 a year here, there, whatever. And as he, he retired at 65, and they kept on spending the way that they were spending, buying the grandkids presents, like good grand. They weren't poor people. They had money. They had money their whole life. Why not spend nice, buy nice presents for your grandkids? And now it turned in, called me, he's, you know, he's 77, she's 75. They're out of money. What should they do now? And now it's, it's probably too late. I, I wish I had something to tell them. And, you know, they're about to move in with their kids. Wow. Because they, you know, they don't have the funds. And it's just a sad story. And what's sad about it is one thing the people that never had income and never had money. So what could you do? You know, but these people, they were successful people their whole life. But since they put that $5,000 a year that he saved into the bank, as opposed to forget me, put it in the market, you know. And he didn't do that. And, you know, he got taxed on everything. He had small gains and he got taxed on his small gains. And you turn around and you uh-huh. end up running out of your money. That's the sad thing. That's why it, was, I think it, wasn't, any, it wasn't compounding. It wasn't working for him. Wasn't compounding, wasn't growing, wasn't tax efficient. He had some bonds and mostly in the bank. And that's a good recipe to run out of your money, even if you're a successful guy. So that's why I just urge everybody, you know, people who put so much focus on how we're going to earn money, how we're going to get our business to earn an extra 5% this year. And people don't take the time to focus on how I'm going to have my money grow for me. Or I'm selling my business. It's great. I have a million dollars. But you got to focus on the net. Then what? Because the then what is almost as important as how am I going to earn that extra money? Yeah. Wow. We'll have to leave it at that. Mel Lieber, thank you so much for coming on. You guys can check them out at www.financedpremiums.com. 
You can also type in Mel Lieber and connect with him on LinkedIn. If you want to give your email address or any other place for the audience to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing and, and how you can potentially help them. Yeah, that'd be great. You can email me at Mel, M-E-L, at financedpremiums.com. That's financed with the D at the end, premiums with the S at the end, dot com, Mel at financedpremiums.com. You can give me a call, 347-619-2999. Happy to speak with you. And uh, yeah, I love speaking to business owners. That's what I do all day. <laughs> okay, Dave, I really appreciate it. And guys, you should know, Dave's a great guy. So you should appreciate that he's bringing me on, bringing other people on, giving you guys some free good info. And you should appreciate Dave. I appreciate him. And thank you so much, Dave, for having me on. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay, very good. Excellent. Have a great day. Excellent, Mel. Thank you so much for your time. We'd love to have you back in the future. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.